Business Matters in association with Letterkenny IT's Faculty of Business. Applications are now open for the highly regarded Masters in Leadership and Innovation in the Public Sector. Also a Masters in Governance, Compliance and Data Protection in Financial Services. And a Certificate in Online Dispute Management. Visit lyit.ie for more information. I'm Kieran O'Donnell and you're welcome to Business Matters. Later in the programme, I'll be talking to the Managing Director of today's Football Special, Seamus McDade. But first, next Tuesday, January the 25th, we'll see the Letterkenny launch of Gratham, the Irish Business Awards scheme designed to increase the visibility of Irish and encourage its use in business. Irish Language Development Officer with Leonard Litcher Cannon, Barbara E. Cahill, is leading out on the scheme for the Cathedral Town, and she's hopeful of a good response from local businesses. Gradom is a new Irish Business Award scheme that's been launched by Glornangale. And really it's to encourage and enable businesses to increase the amount of Irish that they're using in their business. And so the idea of it is that businesses can go for a bronze, silver or gold award across any or all of three areas. So they might do it in terms of their signage. The signage outside the business, the signage inside the business. Or they might do it in terms of their branding and marketing or they might do it in terms of their customer service. So they can apply to be um, adjudicated on, as I say, any or all of those three areas of their business. And because it's bronze, silver and gold awards, it gives them the opportunity over a period of time to build on what they're doing. So you don't just go back to the beginning again whenever you move on to another award. You build on what you've already done. So it really is a step-by-step approach. That was a conscious decision that was taken to maybe get people started and, and to bring them through and, and to see a sort of gradual improvement. What sort of response have you had to date before the launch, Barbara? Well, generally in terms of the attitude of business around Letterkenny to the use of Irish, it's extremely positive. I was involved in the research that was done to develop an Irish language strategic plan for Letterkenny as a Celtic services town. And we found that about 66% of the businesses that we surveyed saw real potential and opportunities in increasing their use of Irish. Did that surprise you? No, actually, because I suppose I've been involved in the Irish language community for a long time and I know there's positivity there. And it delighted me to see that coming out in facts and figures in the research that we did. How does that compare to other similar sized towns maybe in, in other parts of the country? I mean, I think it's a very it's a very common theme, really. But we have an additional strength here because we are surrounded by Gaeltacht areas. We have a lot of people who are native Irish speakers who have moved from, you know, Gwydor or wherever into Letterkenny. Some of them are running businesses or, you know, they're involved in businesses. And so there's a very strong connection to the Gaeltacht areas, there's very strong awareness. Plus, we also have a very strong Irish language educational sector with Gaelskolaunan and Colishta Ali. And so that inputs into the strength of Irish and the attitudes towards Irish in the town as well. So there is something really positive happening. What sort of funding and what sort of support uh, is available for businesses who are looking to get involved in this sort of a scheme, Berber? Well, to actually sign up for the Gradham Awards, there is no charge. So that's that's a positive. And then Forrest Nagelga run uh, the scheme Takiarta Grow. And what that is, is it's a business support scheme. And they will offer up to 50% funding to businesses who want to 
put up bilingual or all Irish signage, who want to change their branding and their marketing, who maybe want to translate their website. Now, it is important that, you know, businesses engage with Forest Nagelga from the beginning of that process. So they won't pay retrospectively. But if you engage with them from the beginning and, you know, you're making sure that the Irish that you're using is grammatically correct and all of that, then the, the funding is there up to 50% of your costs for that. So that really goes a long way towards helping businesses to develop what they need for these awards. And then there's lots of other resources as well in terms of help with translation, um, with you know, support about publicity and things like that. I am the Irish Language Development Coordinator or Coordinator Plan Lachanga in the town. So businesses can get in touch with me if they're interested in these awards. What benefit uh, can businesses expect to get from being part of this? I think the big thing is that they're buying into that very positive energy about the Irish language. There was research done before these awards were developed and it really reflected right across the island of Ireland, the positivity towards Irish and the fact that people like to see the language, they like to hear the language. Um, and so it gives businesses a competitive edge if they are showing an interest in the language. And you can see that around the town already. There are places um, like Goss out in Wet and Wild. All the signage inside the shop is bilingual and people talk about it, you know, um, you know, whole green. The fact that their signage on, on the, the canopies at the cafe is in Irish. People notice and people appreciate it. Um, somebody like Sanjay in the boutique at Bliss in the Main Street. If you go in and speak Irish to Sanjay, he will talk to you in Irish. And so there are people who will specifically go there because they know they can do their business through Irish. Uh, in terms of numbers, have you, have you a, a figure in mind of uh, how many businesses you would like to see take up uh, the challenge for one of a better phrase uh, this year? Well, I think realistically it's been a very, very challenging year for businesses, challenging two years. And so I know that they have a lot on their minds. And so I would be modest enough in our first year of launching this. I would like to think that we would have maybe 10 or 12 businesses or organizations, you know, small businesses, large businesses, charities, state organizations can all apply for this. So if I had 10 or 12 this year, I would be delighted. And then to build on that year on year. Obviously, Litterkinna Chamber of Commerce will be a big resource for you in that regard. Absolutely. We have a very good relationship with the Chamber of Commerce. We uh, we work very well with them. We have run things during Shacht in the Gaelga last year, and we would hope to do the same again this year. So, yeah, very much so. We, we link in a lot with them, and we know that they'll support in what we're doing. Uh, Barbara, as you said, you've been heavily involved uh, in the strategic plan uh, for Litterkinna and, and its uh, future with the Irish language. Um, why... Do you think that the Irish language uh, has maybe maybe gone out of fashion and is coming back into fashion now? I think undoubtedly there are there are all sorts of issues. I mean, you could start talking about you know colonialism and the impact it had on people and people's association of Irish with you know for some people it was an association of Irish with poverty or believing the idea that Irish was not. Um, of equal status with other languages. And yet, if you look at Irish literature and the history of Irish literature, it is incredibly powerful and impressive, you know? Um, so we need to knock the idea on the head that somehow it's in any way inferior 
It is the most fabulous, rich, beautiful, poetic language. There have also been issues with how Irish was taught. And that's why I think, you know, we put a big emphasis on Bahachanga e alorch. The life of a language is to speak it. And so that's something that the Gael Scullina are fabulous at, about getting children speaking the language. It's something that we put an emphasis on. Um, it's something that, unfortunately, in our educational system, there has not been enough emphasis on. And so you'll find a lot of people saying, oh, I've, you know, I went to school for 16, 17 years. I haven't got a word of Irish. And it's not actually true but they don't have any confidence to speak the Irish that they've got. And I think that's one of the big things. So now it's about giving people opportunities. You know, a lot of my job is about creating opportunities for people to, you know, to start the conversation in Irish. And that's really what it's about. And I think when people do, they get such a buzz. They are so delighted. And that is what's lifting the language. It's people's pure delight and sense of pride and ownership and identity. And that's not just people who've been born and raised here. We've had people from all over doing Irish classes with us. You know, people who are originally from Brazil, from Australia. We have um, a couple of women from Egypt and Jordan who's, you know, whose original language would be Arabic. So it's a language for the whole community. And that's something really important. Barbara, where did you get the passion for the Irish language? Um, I grew up in Strabane and my my mum would have had fairly good Irish. And I can remember her counting in Irish when I was very small. Now, my mum died when I was five. But when I was a wee bit older and realised that there was a language there that I could learn that was a connection back to her, it just gave me an absolute passion to learn the language. And it wasn't until I got to secondary school that I had that opportunity. I was very jealous of my cousins who were in Dublin and Waterford who were able to learn Irish in primary school. I had to wait to secondary school, but that's what fired my passion. And then going to the Geltacht and just the whole, the music, the, the, the literature, everything came together. How hopeful are you that this will be a success? I am extremely hopeful because I know talking to businesses that they really are up for this. As I say, there are businesses that are already changing their signage. I mean, Gilday's Butchers down there in, in um, the bottom of the town are putting up new signage. I think it's going up. It should be up. By today, um, you know, the signage that is bilingual. So there is great energy. There is, I have huge optimism um, that there's a very positive attitude about Irish around the town. And Barbara, what format will Tuesday's launch have? It'll be quite simple. We're going to do it on Zoom because realistically it's the easiest way to do it at the moment. And I am hoping to have the coordinator of the Irish business awards scheme um, Frank McKinney from Glorning Ale with me we'll do a short input about what the awards actually are and then an opportunity for people to ask questions and a little bit of input about what the First Nagelga business support scheme is as well so the people really know what what they need to do and what supports are there and finally when will the awards for 2022 be presented? They'll be presented at the end of the year and businesses will get a plaque that they can put up either inside the building or outside the building. Um, you know, a wee bit like the Bridgestone Awards, something that you can show people because the reality is there are people who will say, well, 
I'll go to this cafe because I know I can go in and speak Irish rather than going somewhere else. So we want to make it very visible. I'm also going to be going around businesses in the town. We have just had some badges made. Some say to couple of fakalagum. So I have a few words. So in other words, you know, I'll speak a bit to you. And others that say lower gaeliglion. So speak Irish to me. And again, everything that we can do to encourage people to just start the conversation. That was Barbara Ichal, Irish Language Development Officer with Leanwell Lecture Kennan. Lera Kenny businesses interested in the scheme can email all us at leanrealc.ie that's E-O-L-A-S at L-I-O-N or A-L-C dot I-E. They can also contact Barbara on 086-075-1663. Join us after the break when we'll be talking to the Managed Director of McDade's Football Special in Remelton, Seamus McDade. Business Matters in association with Letterkenny IT's Faculty of Business. Applications are now open for the highly regarded Masters in Leadership and Innovation in the Public Sector. Also a Masters in Governance, Compliance and Data Protection in Financial Services. And a Certificate in Online Dispute Management. Visit lyit.ie for more information. You're welcome back. I'm delighted to be joined by Seamus McDade, Managing Director of McDade's Football Special in Remilton. Seamus, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Thanks for having me here, appreciate it. Seamus, Remilton is famous for many things, but uh, I think there's a general consensus that Football Special is the top of that list. I think the, the Dave Gallagher Association and uh, Swilly Rovers might take some... Uh, Take some offence to that, but th- yes, thanks for that lovely compliment. Yeah, we're we're, we're very lucky to be based here. Seamus, you are the fourth uh, generation uh, of the McDades to take charge of the company. Can you tell me uh, a bit about the, the firm? Well, we're my great grandfather was a, originally a farmer, and, and when he left the farm, he set up um, a grocery shop in Remelton, um, and. In essence, he started really selling out of the, out of the back of a van um, produce that he had on the farm, and and that was kind of how the how the operations of the day went. Um, further along, then my grandfather um, inherited a pub uh, in Remelton, and that got them involved then in the alcohol business, and sort of marrying the two trades. Then they ended up doing alcohol wholesale, which then at that point in time was really a, a contract bottling operation. So Guinness would brew product in St. James's Gate, and given the quality of the infrastructure in Ireland in the 1950s and 60s, they would have satellite bottlers in modern terms all throughout Ireland who would finish the beer, bottle it, and then distribute it to the pubs in the local area. So we were the Guinness bottler for northern Donegal. Um, but in the wintertime, that would be quiet, so... They then bought the building that we were in, which was an old creamery, and they started developing soft drinks, um, which was very normal kind of extension of the business. But from being a Guinness bottler, they had a certain standard of bottling, and they, they understood manufacture, and they understood quality control, because that was being ran by Guinness, and they, we were being audited regularly by them. So started developing soft drinks, um, and my grandfather generation, my, my father took over, and he really sort of modernized the business in terms of what soft drinks production was going to be and distribution. So we got then involved in distributing kegs of Guinness, which was a, you know, a brand new thing in the, in the 70s and 80s. Um, and then that became modernizing our technology and our bottling line, which ultimately was a pet line, which is a plastic bottle line. Um, and then through the me, which is, well, I'm still sort of making my mark yet. But um, so in essence, that's where we came from. Very, very... Um, Simple story, which would be replicated throughout the country. There was many, many Guinness bottlers, 
Um, and there was many, many soft drink brands throughout Ireland in the days before multinationals came and distributed all over the country. The difference that we have is that we have survived, and that's the only, you know, that's the real difference. Um, there were soft drinks brands in Leitrim, there was in Cavan and Mayo and all over the place, and they have all either been bought over by multinationals or haven't been able to continue. Um, and we've survived, you know, and I would put that a lot of our survival down to the loyalty of our customer base in Donegal, really. Um, and that's really what's kept us in business. What was the size of the scale of the business uh, back in your forefathers' day, Seamus? Um, it would have been a lot bigger than it is now, but it was very much a manufacturing operation then. So we would have had thirty or forty men, I'm sure, working at, at that time. Um, uh, and we would, have, you know, we would have had four or five lorries on the road anyway. Um, and and that kind of continued, you know, through the nineties. Really, um, uh, it, it slowly started to, to scale down. But the business model has kind of completely changed from what it was then. We we don't do manufacturing anymore. Um, we don't distribute any other brands other than our own. Um, and that's a, you know that has been a, a big change. So. In essence, we're a sales and marketing company now, which is going to have a smaller um, staff footprint. Um, so it's it's a, it's a smaller, it's a much tighter operation than it was. The one constant is football special. So talk to me about football special. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we were very, very fortunate um, in terms of how the how our business developed. As I say, we had some quality control aspects kind of long before other businesses would have had because of the pressure that Guinness put on us. So when we were developing soft drinks, that was always kind of forefront to the minds of, of that generation. Um, my granduncle, Eamon, was sent away to learn about the soft drinks business. Uh, and one of the differences when, when he learned when he came back, when he was developing products, he was very methodical and scientific about how he did it. So mixing soft drinks is very similar to baking a cake. Um, you know, you put a bit of this and a bit of that in, but... But saying a bit of this and a bit of that is no good because you'll never get the same finish every time then. So he was methodical about it. Um, and so they developed a drink football special. At the same time, him, my uncle, my granduncle Brendan and other people of that generation were heavily, heavily involved in the formation and playing with Twilly Rovers who were very successful in the, in the 50s and 60s. Um, and they wanted to develop a drink that they could fill trophies with that was non-alcoholic. So they wanted to develop a drink that looked like a beer um, that was you know, frothy and foamy and that had the texture and mouthfeel of a beer. Uh, and they came up with, with football specials. So we were the original low and no alcohol uh, substitute beer uh, that all these these master companies try and copy now. Seamus, you were in charge here about three years uh, since you came back from your travels. I was uh, laughing at your Twitter account and your bio. You said you went to New York for a summer and it took you eight years to come home. Can you discuss... Yeah, well, I mean, I'm very lucky. I started off in Australia before I, I got to New York. So I went, moved to Australia when I was, um, was 19 or 20. Um, at the time, I worked for, um, I was an Aussie rules agent at that time. Um, so very, very fortunate. I got a job working with, with a guy called Ricky Nixon, uh, who was an infamous sport. Well, I should say now is an infamous. At the time, was not so, had not such a bad reputation. Um, and he really took me under his wing and I ended up running his Irish operations um, so moved to Australia, uh, his life started to go through some turmoil and the, the business there was going through a restructuring process and he set me up in New York um, with an internship, pretty much an internship with um, the NFL Players Association. So, What was the attraction to do that and go there? But that was my lifelong uh, dream was to be a sports agent. In essence, I, I watched Jerry Maguire when I was 11 years old and I said, that is a job I want to do. And I also thought that's a job I'd be good at because I love sport. Uh, I don't have any talent. 
So uh, there's plenty of people to listen to this will attest to that. Uh, plenty of people that have seen me struggle for Milford reserves for a long time now. Uh, so I knew I wouldn't have the ab- I didn't think I'd have the ability to play professional sport, but I can chat, which Jerry Maguire seemed to be able to do. Um, and you know, I thought oh, I, I could I understand business, so this is probably a good fit for me as a job. So from that point on, I pretty much set up that that was what the job I was going to do. So. Before I went to university, I was taking online courses and, you know, the internet, you know, the access to the internet was getting easier and easier. This is 2006, 2007. Um, and I started originally scouting for Aussie Rules teams, GA players. Um, the the big look at that stage that I had is that I was 18, um, a fresh year in UCD, and I was only ever two phone calls away from any other, like, inter-county player at that point in time because they were looking at under-21 players and they were kind of my peer group. I was hanging on to UCD squads um, so I could kind of get in front of a lot of people. So I was a good scout from just by... My network was big. You were busy? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you know that that's what took me to Australia and then that's what took me to New York. So I started working with an NFL agent in New York managing American footballers. Um, but always had this inkling that I wanted to do football special. Now I should say that it was always, you know, I would always get the players to. I would always take pictures with the players in football special, and it was always people always knew I had another passion, another business. Um, you know, and it was always, always. I mean, people I, from a very early age, you know, people like people like Ricky Nixon, I worked with and stuff, said, "Well, you know, that's kind of what Red Bull do. Like they they just have a brand and they are able to influence sport in the in in a, in a macro level. So it's not that crazy that you would be interested in sport and have a brand that kind of fit together. So that was kind of you know, it was my my thought process. So. After a couple of years in New York doing that, you know, just the love for it wasn't there anymore. It was more difficult in the United States. Um, it, it was incredible for my career to see sport and the level of sport marketing and what can be achieved in the USA. Um, but uh, it was time then to really focus on the family business. So I started off bringing in two pallets of football special, um, had a contact there uh, in New York, I got, um, a guy from Derry who owns a company called The Padded Wagon. They helped me import my first two pallets of football special. Met, I was involved with the Irish business organization, so I met a, a, um, a David McLaughlin man who was my customs broker. He had family ties to Donegal. So they helped me get set up. And from the first two pallets of football special, it became it became this, this large business that was a full-service importer, in essence. So we imported um, football special, but we also imported Lions Tea and Club Orange and... Um, Tato and and any Irish or British product really that we could get our hands on. There must have been a huge demand for those products. There is in uh, the east coast of America. So ultimately we ended up servicing about 200 accounts um, in Boston, Philadelphia, New York, um, New Jersey. Uh, and that was a, you know, it was a, again, a terrific learning curve, uh, you know, with just to really see business on that scale, that, you know, working in the United States. I'm working in New York. It, there's a very much um, a work hard to uh, success. Uh, it's it, it's you know that it's a very easy formula there. If you work hard, people in America will give you an opportunity. There is an entrepreneurial uh, um, environment there. Everybody wants to help out the small guy, uh, and it, it was you know it was just incredible. If you they'll give you they'll give you an opportunity. So I had a great opportunity there. Great great um, career. Love, love doing it. Learned a lot about business and, and, you know, how I would run future businesses. Uh, you know, and, and that's, and as I say, was there for, was there in New York for, for eight years. Uh, came back with a fiance, you know, now wife. Um, uh, and it was, it was great. It was a, just a terrific experience in my life. I was also in my twenties. So what better place to live than New York City in your twenties? Like, 
what was the highlight of your stay there? Uh, it was probably just seeing football special. It was probably just getting the, the response when people would see football special in a shop, in be it in Dorchester and in, in Massachusetts, or or you know, or in Upper Derby in Philadelphia, and you, you would just just to get responses from people who could see it there. That was that was probably the highlight. You know, the other thing was you know we dealt with a couple of big customers there as well. We you know we were we actually were along with Donegal Rapeseed. We we imported them for a while, and we. We were able to get them into Dean and DeLuca, who are this massive deli chain in, in America. Um, and to see it, well, you'd, you'd walk in Madison Avenue, um, and I would deliver my products into Dean and DeLuca, which was just, you know, just, I thought, this is incredible because I'm, you know, I was, there was two people working with me. I have a white van, you know, this, I can't believe that these are taking me seriously. Uh, and they were, and it was, that was, so it, that, but, but more so the football special thing really, just seeing it, getting it out there. And uh, because for years we would get calls, why can't they get this so and so? So to be able to just fulfill that need, that was, that was the highlight. So when did you decide to make the return home? Um, we decided kind of, just uh, 2019, um, yeah, so March 2019, so I was just about to turn 30. And I, in my head, I'd always thought I'll be home before I'm 30. So we moved home on the 5th of April, um, yeah, 2019, so I just turned 30. Uh, and that was, this, you know, we, we were, as I say, I was engaged at that time. Um, my fiance was is a New Yorker. She was excited about the opportunity. Well, excited or coerced, somewhere between the two of them words. And she was, you know, it was now, it was a good opportunity in our lives to do this. We thought, we go and give it a go and see how it is, and we'll take it from there. And, and thankfully, it's, it's, it's been a terrific decision that we've been, you know, it has worked really, really well for both of us. Have you noticed any changes, Seamus, from when you departed to when you returned? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, there's been a huge change uh, in the country. You know, I, obviously, I say I left in, in 2008, you know, things weren't so good at the time. Um, but just even from a, you know, from a more... From a football special viewpoint, at that point in time, we were still an alcohol wholesaler that had a small soft drinks brand. Um, now we're, just, you know, we, I came home to a business that was just a soft drinks brand, um, and even the market for the soft drinks brand has changed. You know, even when I was a teenager, it wasn't particularly cool to drink football special because people wanted Red Bulls and they wanted like exotic Coca Cola flavors. But there's been a change, uh, and local is kind of cool again now. Um, and we're that's we're we're you know we're seeing that in our sales now, and, and that's been a, that's been a big difference. You know, it wasn't wasn't always like that, uh, and it definitely is a change now. One thing you mentioned there recently in another interview, uh, Seamus, was in relation to the reemergence of glass, and that has driven your business. Can you talk to me a wee bit about that? Yeah, the, I mean the resurgence in glass is incredible because I remember a time whenever we only did glass, uh, and at the, and at that time, and this is you know the late I'm talking 1997, 1998, um, retailers were no longer would no longer stock us if we didn't have a plastic offering, so we had to switch this factory over to plastic. Um, and we just kept on doing a small bit of glass and glass sales, you know, just continued to decline, decline. And they were about four years ago, about 5% of our total business was in glass products. And that's up at 30% now. Um, and that's just been an incredible surge and resurgence. Um, and it's just pretty much driven by, you know, well, people's demand, consumer demand. People want glass. Um, not very many soft drinks companies offer glass. So we're in a bit of a niche in that regard. And that, you know, it, and that's just, it's a product that people want. It's a pack that people now want. So, you know, we have to do a better job on how we how we collect that glass and how we try and you know, we we are going to try and launch a return scheme where people can return their bottles to us, um, and 
will try and be part of the circular economy. You know, it's important. These are things that we've been doing for 50 years. Uh, it's just a matter now of making them front and center in our business. In relation to uh, getting out of the, the alcohol wholesale end, was that a good move for the company? Well, I mean, it was a, a move that was necessary at the time. You know, it was this was the, the alcohol business was going to pull the whole business down. Um, alcohol wholesaling went through, uh, you know, consolidation period. Really, the bigger brands, the bigger distribution companies started buying up smaller independent. Um, you know, even if you think about Donegal, they're, they're in my memory there was there was probably ten alcohol wholesalers, and there's probably three now. Um, you know, and, and that's that has been a change. So we were probably going to be forced that way um so it was something that we had to do now you fast forward to the pandemic and i don't think we would have survived the pandemic if we were how we were you know 10 even 10 years ago uh you know the the alcohol business has changed entirely from what it was the the pubs went through a very difficult you know few years at the end of the financial crisis um lots and lots of um suppliers to them also went through that hurt then as well. We were very, very lucky to see see through them them times, uh, and and probably discontinuing that end of the business was inevitable. If you had asked our business thirty years ago, we we done a thirty year plan here. We tried to envisage what football special would look like in thirty years. And I said to the guys in the room, if you'd have done this thirty years prior, there's no way we would have said we were not selling alcohol. Um, it was a huge part of our business, and we were, you know, we, you know, people will remember our depot with the dry arch and Letterkenny, and you know that was a was a big part of our business. But that, you know, and th- that business was ultimately a wholesale model, which is the same as what what my business in America became being. We were very very busy delivering Guinness, um, and could Guinness care less? No, no, that's the reality. Uh, unless we were going to be massive, and even if we were massive. Then Guinness may look to take us out anyway, you know. You're, and it's similar. I was selling a lot of Taylor crisps in New York, and does it really matter? Because we're still quite small to them. You know, you don't want to be to be a wholesaler. You're going to have to have these huge volumes going through, and then you're then you are a distribution company, and that's not the business that we were ever any good at anyway. How is your business structured at the moment, Seamus? And where is Football Special produced now? So we're, we're producing a couple of different locations, but our main um, partner would be Main Soft Drinks over in Ballamoney. Um, that was a, a big move for us. What we found, we were very, very fortunate to, with Main, is that they're another family business who are you know of the same size of us. So we they make it to our spec, and we have access to their labs and, and their mixing room in there. And when we very first done a deal with them, um, my dad and, and our other advisor, Desmond Doherty, would have spent a lot of time in their factory, in their facility, making sure everything was up to our spec. Um, and they're just a great partner to work with because we're an important part of their business um, as opposed to just going to a, a huge co-packer who, again, we would be pretty small. Uh, so they they would do a lot of the drinks. We have Quinn's Gelato. They make our ice cream for us. Again, similar um, Similar manufacturing partners, small, they're a third generation family business, um, as our main or a third generation family business. So you can kind of see that we, we like, we gravitate to other family businesses. Both again, and Quinn's are, are based in, in Cookstown. So very much sort of kept in Ulster. And that, that's kind of where we would see ourselves. People who are familiar with the brand, who have an understanding of how critical the quality of the product is and things to us. Um, and that, you know, that, that they, they've, that's been it's been a big change for us, but we've we've been very happy with how how it's gone. Where did the idea for the ice cream come from? Well, my, actually, my dad was always messing around with ice cream, and plenty of people, you know, were messing around with football special flavor ice cream. It's a flavor that sort of fits ice creams. Um, so 
it kind of came from that really um and, and lots of people would talk about you know soda floats they call them in america people pouring football special over vanilla ice cream um so it, it kind of came from the, that was kind of the genesis of the ideas um you know and we 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 went and you know tried a couple of different people manufacturing it and it was a bit of a process behind that but when we when we were happy then we would get a product out there and we and then last year we went to the wax cardboard um you know the, the 500 mil smaller tub um and it you know it's it's been a learning curve now in ice cream uh you know it's a different product to soft drinks and it's a different distribution model as well um and that's that has had posed its challenges to us but it, it, it probably what it's showing is an extension of the brand that i'm not sure we ever knew before so you know that it's that football special is a feeling more so than a product now um that it's it's you know we we talk about our our purpose being to bring friends friends and families together in simple moments of joy, and that's what football special is to lots of people. Um, and that probably now can extend to an ice cream. We have ideas that it will do sweets in it, um, and you're certainly seeing that in our range of merchandise because you know people are buying our hoodies. You know, should they really? You know, what is a soft drink really to do with a hoodie? Well, it's more of a people want the association with the brand that is. That also is very much brand Donegal that we're they're being associated with this locality and summer holidays and and happy memories. You mentioned distribution, Seamus. How challenging has it been uh, to get into the national stores day with football special and with your ice cream? Yeah, I mean it's been super challenging, and it's something that we continue to have issues with, and it's not something that we've cracked yet. Uh, I mean, we do probably eighty-five percent of our sales in County Donegal, um, and then you would probably, if you add in what we do in Derry City and the, you know, and, and Sligo and stuff, you're probably, you know, you're up at in the nineties comfortably. Um, so it's been a big challenge, very, very hard. The multiples, again, you know, do they want to take a chance on a small Donegal brand? Not necessarily, um, and so it's difficult. Even the people that the buyers that like us, and I've had this conversation with multiple buyers. I have one buyer from a brand, a national list, national chain, who has a holiday home in Donegal, who can't get enough of football special, but says, oh, I'll never sell Cork, so I'm not listing you. And they're the challenges we come up against. Well, what, so, do, you, what do you do when he, he tells you that, and you and he's actually telling you that he likes it, and he's still not going to stock it? it? Well, that's, you know, you just got to take that, you got to, that's what gets you out of bed on the Monday morning. You know, that's, that is what you got to try and drive. Then, then we got to try find, how do we convince him? Um, and be that through social media metrics by saying, well, look, here's our feed. Here's the response that we're getting outside of Donegal. You can't tell me that's just a Donegal response whenever I'm getting all these hits from, from these places. Um, and that's where we use our online sales too. You know, we'll track and we'll say, look, well, we got we got 50 sales last year online in Cork. Um, and it's not really a product that people will be buying online. So, you know, I think that you're wrong. Give us a trial. Um, and you just try and, you know, you, or you then you go to smaller, you know, you, you try to go to independent stores and try and you know, prove the model that way, which we have kind of successfully done in Dublin now. We're, we're in 25 outlets in Dublin, um, which people would have said was not possible. Um, and we've been there for two and a half years now and them outlets are growing and growing and the sales are getting busier and busier and that's the kind of ammo then that I have to use to go back to the bigger the bigger multiple chains um, but but it's it's difficult to be sure you know that, that's you know we, we haven't succeeded like you know, that's the reality like, that's my challenge like uh, you know can I convince somebody to put us in every shop in Ireland uh, you know if uh, if you're interviewing the next generation of football special then I've convinced them to do that have you, have you made progress in that regard though 
I think we have. I think our, our offering is getting tighter. So we're, you know, so as I say, glass, we just, glass just tipped along. But now I know that, you know, there is not many other offering companies offering glass. All these retailers have made large pledges, public pledges to reduce their, their plastic. And I'm saying to them, well, you could take that brand of soft drink off your shelf and replace it with my glass brand of football special. And that will reduce your plastic that you're putting into the environment um, and that's the difference you know we've, we've probably figured out now that we have to know what the offering is um, there's also certainly been more people trying to buy local and we are a local brand so that has helped so we're, we're getting better i think our messaging is getting better in terms of actual sales no it's not but i think we're getting somewhat closer Seamus, your company was part of the bad donegal campaign that started in back in november and finished at the end of december how beneficial was that for your business I mean, I think it's just, I mean, anything that time that we can be associated with other Donegal businesses, it's just, you know, hugely beneficial to us because of our story and what we're trying to promote. We're definitely trying to promote that, you know, we're trying to promote Donegal um, along with football special because we're so intertwined now. So I don't often get the opportunity to associate with 180 other brands or whatever we're in that, that you know, that, that exercise. Um, and it's just, you know, it just keeps us involved, you know, it keep, keeps people, locals um, who may sort of take it for granted that football especially kind of almost forget about it. it you know a lot of the times our, our a lot of our biggest fans can be people who come and see it and are like wow this is you know incredible so by Donegal it sort of just resonates with what we're trying to do and, and build our brand and, and build our business here in Remelton and in Donegal so that's probably where the, the big success has been from it that was an online campaign obviously and you mentioned online to me earlier how important is the online side of your business uh, going forward well, again, it's just growing and growing. You know, I mean, I launched our website when I was a teenager. Um, and, you know, to, I thought it was going to be great. I mean, I bought, I remember we bought online boxes that we were going to sell packed throughout the, throughout the world in. And, um, you know, the naivety of my age, the minimum order was 10,000 boxes. Um, it was, it was from Smurfit over in Antrim. And I thought, not ah, 10,000. Yeah. Two years probably shipped that. They sat until about six months ago. So it took us about 12 years to get rid of these 10,000 online boxes. Um, but since then, it, it has really taken off. Then you know we're, it, it's, it, you know, to put it in, to put it, I guess to put it in sort of term business terms, I almost it almost is. I have an employee one day a week now, just looking after our online orders. Um, you know, so that's how many kind of, and that's a day extra that he didn't have last year. Um, so that's kind of the level of sales. It's probably about ten percent of our sales now will come from our website. Um, but it's not just drinks, which is probably an interesting diversion. We always offer that we offer the drinks from two thousand and seven, but by nature of shipping drinks, the shipping price is always going to be expensive. So you're going to have to add additional things on there, be it mugs or. Or, or hoodies or socks or something that's a wee bit different and that's probably where we've really seen the growth in the last couple of years. Has Brexit had any effect on your operations here, Seamus? Uh, on an on a overall level, not, not so much, but on a, certainly not online sales level, absolutely. So we would have done about 10 packages a week to the UK um, and that's gone now. We, we do, I mean, we, we do less than one a week now. Um, the reality is the shipping on a case went from €19 Euro to €39. Euro. Now, we only charge 28 euro on the website because I just couldn't possibly justify paying any more. But every time a box goes from here to England, that's what I'm paying. Um, uh, and it's, it has made that market impossible now to really operate. Um, and that, you know, and, and th- th- everybody who's in the online space say the same. Anybody who's bought anything in from, from Britain this Christmas, I'm sure we'll see. We, we bought, uh, you know, a small product in as well and we were hit with a, an import charge, unexpected. So I can see what that's like. 
Um, and, and that's really been the effect. And it's just difficult for us now. It will, what it will, it will mean that we'll end up having some sort of a distribution operation based in Great Britain if we really wanted to go after that market. Um, and that is a shame because we like to keep everything as central to Remelton here as we can. Matthias Football Special uh, carried out market research back in October. Uh, what prompted that, Seamus, and what did you learn from that latest survey? Well, we, we went through a big, you know, we've we done a lot of work this year, and I say we've done this vision 2030, what we would look like in, in 2030 and, and on the future, um, and all the all the, my, the team here were involved in that. Um, and at that point, we sort of said, all right, well, a lot of our hunches are saying, no, my hunch says to me glass, it says to me premium, says craft, but like, let's go and test that. Like, is that just a hunch? And we best kind of specifically tried to do that research outside of Donegal. So we didn't want people who are familiar with Football Special. Um, what we found was there was a lot more people familiar with football special than we thought so kind of going back to what i tell national retailers um when we excluded donegal from that survey about 52 percent of people had heard of football special who were from the rest of ireland um, and that figure went to about 70 percent when you when you made it just dublin city alone um so that's the kind of information we try feed back to them on a more where the brand should go side people are definitely looking for local they're definitely looking for craft um and that is kind of what we are you know but um, and I would say that I would love to say that there was a great vision at one point in time that we would be this craft local soft drink. But we mixed seven flavors together to create a soft drink that was developed in the 1950s and we've never changed. So we have kind of stumbled into this market in many ways. Um, but that is now encumbering us. And if we want to succeed, we need to sell and push that story. And really, because I see big brands all the time who, you know, say that they're craft and, and premium offerings and things. And I know that they're made in, in massive manufacturing facilities that are doing 10,000 bottles a minute. So, you know, we have to do a better job at making that part of our, of our, um, of our marketing. And that's kind of what the research really told us. So it didn't necessarily tell us anything we didn't know, but it, it certainly, um, you know, made it really crystal clear, right? That is the strategy and they're really focused on that. Seamus, you're in business all of your adult life, and I'm sure you were involved in the family business uh, long before you, you headed away. Is there a person or people in business that you admire most? Uh, well, I, I actually was, I was trying to think about this now. They're, they're, I, 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 mean, I really love what Red Bull have done. Um, you know, I look, at, I look at where they come from pretty humble backgrounds and what, the, what they've managed to grow and achieve there is pretty incredible, with a private company as well. It's not publicly listed. Um, you know, on a more more local level, I've been very, very fortunate to be um, to be in a room with, with Raymond Coyle from Hunky Dory's a lot, um, and he has got great Donegal links here as well. Um, and he's he's somebody I would admire a lot from from growing his brand of potato chips to be the biggest in Ireland. Uh, and they're you know in a very similar field to us, so we would take a lot of motivation from what he would do. And we're very I'm very lucky that I, I can get advice from him. Um, and my own father as well has done a lot in his career outside of football special. Um, you know, he had, he had a very successful career in Dublin before he came back into the family business here. Uh, and that, that's kind of, you know, they, they would be the sort of people, you know, but, but I am a real student of business. I, I mean, I read a lot of business books. Um, and I really enjoy business, you know, and I enjoy, I enjoy seeing, um, small retailers do well. And, and, you know, that, and that's, that's kind of what inspires me. I love hearing people's business stories. And, uh, and I just, you know, I think there's so many success stories in the county here. Um, you know, we're, we're very lucky on that, that there's lots of places here, you know, you can look at. What's the best lesson you've learned in the business yourself, Seamus? Uh, probably sort of to be true to what what you do. So you know, like we were saying, like we we you know we we make a we make a sweet treat. You know that we try that we hope that that 
opening a bottle of football special brings back a memory to people, a happy memory, and that gets people in, you know, around and that people enjoy it. Um, we probably went through a period of time when we maybe downplayed that, that, you know, you know, people were very conscious of sugar levels. And I'm not suggesting that football special is in any way healthy for you. But in moderation, that's okay. Um, and I think that's probably what, you know, that is probably what I've learned. Try and be true to what it is. And even when I was in the sports agency business as well, you know, we, when I was trying to recruit players, there was a, you know, if, like everybody's seen Jerry Maguire, um, you know, there's, there's a concept out there that you'd want to be driving a Maserati to sign these players and all that. Uh, and me and a colleague would rock up in an old Ford Escort. Um, and the story would be, we're at the start of our careers. Your son is at the start of his career. You guaranteed to get me in the phone. Um, and, and as we got more successful, that was still the story because that was what our, my our sales pitch was. So that, that's probably what I would say, you know, find what you want to do and then stay true to that and don't deviate off that. Um, you know, that, 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 and that will see you right. If you had followed your childhood dream job, Seamus, what would you be doing today? Well, I was very lucky that I did have an opportunity to do my childhood job. Um, you know, I, I, I did sports agency, um, uh, and I, I'd have lots of, I'd have loads of ideas to go back and do it. <laughs> you know, and again, my second job, I loved, I always loved working at Football Special. I mean, my first job working in here was uh, eight years old, me and my, my cousin Liam Coyle, um, we the label, but the labeler broke on the line, and we had to hand label some bottles of um, Donegal Spring Water at the time we were doing. I distinctly remember that as my first job here, and I worked then every every summer. So I really, really enjoyed football special. Uh, you know, I always enjoyed working here, and you know, so I'm I'm pretty lucky that I'm pretty close to do. You know, I, I've done a lot of the jobs I dreamt of doing, so I'm very, very fortunate. You have a great passion for football special, Seamus. Yeah, I mean, I really do. I mean, I do. I love it. I think it's the best drink in the world. Like, you know, and I think Donegal's the best place in the world. And I, I say that by somebody who's, I've lived in Australia and I moved home because I loved it here. And then I moved to New York and I moved home because I loved it here. You know, I love here. I love Vermelton. Uh, I love what we do in football special here. I have a terrific team who've, you know, all our team have been with us for well over 10 years. Um, so I love having them people around me that, you know, and trying to grow the business with them. Um, and, you know, we, I think that we'll have a great, well, I think, you know, we, we say we look at our vision 2030 and, and it's like, it excites me about what the future holds. There's lots and lots of challenges, a lot of challenges. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I wake up every day and I'm excited about going to work. That doesn't mean it's easy, but I'm excited. Is there a secret to the success of Bidia's football special? I would say the secret is pretty much the loyalty that people in Donegal have to us. Uh, and that's, you know, I don't mean to sound corny in that, but like I say, there there was a Calvin Cola, and people nostalgically talk about Calvin Cola, but it no longer is around. Um, and it, we are fortunate here that people in Donegal continue and continue to this day to buy football special over other soft drinks when they go into a shop, and that's probably what's kept us. And you know, we all know the stories of people who bring cases to their cousins in Galway, and you know that that's and that is what that's I mean that is compre- incredibly humbling. When I hear stories like that, or, or even I'll tell you, like I used to, um, when, my, when my wife first started coming to Ireland and she would see people in the shop buy football special, and, you know, as opposed to just being a story I would tell, you know, even she would be like, I can't believe this is a thing that people buy. And that's, when I see people buy, I think it's great. I mean, I was in, I was in Tanks and Skinnies in, in Muff a few weeks ago, and we sat there and we counted how many people bought football special. And it's just, you know, it, it would nearly, it doesn't make me arrogant. I'm just like that. I just love that. Like, um, so the secret has probably been that, that, you know, people have bought us, continued to buy us. Um, and that's our, that's been our secret. Yeah. And finally, Seamus, what lies ahead for yourself and your business? 
well, this year it'll be you know a greater push into glass. Um, you know, we, we hope to bring a can to market this year. Um, it's been an op- it's been a thing we've looked at for a few years, and we you know we hope that that process may be manufactured out in Gidor as well. Um, so we're very hopeful that that will happen this year. Uh, you know, we'll do glass. We'll also do a zero sugar offering um, because while our product is a treat. There's many people buying zero products now, and uh, and I think it, you know we'll, we'll, a zero football special is probably the next big brand development for us, uh, and that's and then a, probably a greater emphasis on craft then will be you know what, what we'll do. We're already sort of a craft business when you look at the levels of liters that we produce, but it's about showing people. So you know we'll try and do more social on what our factory actually looks like. That you see, it's pretty small, um, and. And just really trying to be, a, you know, trying to uh, continue to offer a premium product, uh, you know, and and in a premium package that people want to buy. So that they'll probably they'll be the big next few steps for us. Seamus Bedeed, managing director of Medea's Football Special in Milton. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today on Business Matters. Thanks, Amelia. Well, that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests Barry Yahal and Seamus Bedeed. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound, and thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters in association with Letterkenny IT's Faculty of Business. Applications are now open for the highly regarded Masters in Leadership and Innovation in the Public Sector. Also a Masters in Governance, Compliance and Data Protection in Financial Services. And a Certificate in Online Dispute Management. Visit lyit.ie for more information.